uh, we're going to dig in to the gospel. And here's the, the thing. This is the most important issue in your life. What you do with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has significance not only right now, but for eternity. And so I want us to see a few things about the gospel. I want to see it for salvation, which that is the starting point, but then it also doesn't end there. Right? So some people believe you make a decision for Christ and that's the gospel and, and that's it. But the problem is the Bible teaches that the gospel is also there for sanctification. Now that's a, a big word. All that means is looking more and more like Jesus. And I think that makes sense. You are or you becoming that in which you worship. So for uh, basketball players in the room, if you look up to and admire basketball guys, all of a sudden you start to know more about basketball. You can play basketball better. You pick up on certain moves. You start to look more and more like a basketball player. Same way it happens with the gospel. As you admire and look to the beauty of God through the gospel, you're going to grow in his likeness. And so I want us to see that the gospel isn't the starting point, isn't just the starting point. It's the whole thing. It's all of life. And so we're going to dig into that with that as our goal. So with that said, number one, the gospel is for salvation. The gospel is for salvation. That is uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God. That's a very, very important statement because the disciples and Jesus are hanging out. All right, so the, the guys are, are all hanging out and uh, they're talking and all of a sudden this rich dude comes up and this rich dude was a religious guy. He did a lot of things well and he comes to Jesus. He says, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to be saved? It'd be like a, a guy coming, hey, what do I have to do to make the team? What are the requirements of the job that I'm applying for? What do I have to do to make the cut? And so this guy thought he was doing really well because when he looked around, nobody else was close to this guy. He was successful. He was a good dude. You would like to work with him. He's honest. He would keep his word. He'd do what he said he would do. And he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus is like, well, you got to do this, this, and this. Uh, honor your mother and father. Um, don't commit adultery. Don't murder. And he tells you, well, hey, I've done that. And then Jesus, knowing where his heart is, says, all right, well, now you need to go and sell all of your possessions and follow me. And the guy goes away sad. And then Jesus tells his disciple, hey, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of heaven. And listen to the response of the disciples. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Right? If this guy can't make the team, who can? And Jesus says, Jesus looked at him, said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So it is impossible for you to save yourself. It is impossible for me to save myself. I cannot do enough good things to please a holy and perfect God. That is impossibility. You can show up to church every Sunday. You can show up on Saturday in the cold weather to mulch outside. You still don't get heaven. You can go door to door, tell people about Jesus. You can pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You still don't get heaven because your sin separates you. 
You need something more powerful than yourself to save yourself. And the good news, the gospel, is Jesus does just that. And I love this. When you think of power, can you guys give me some examples of power that you see in creation? I'll I'll, I'll help you start. When you look at a volcano, you see power. Right? Lava exploding miles into the air. Ash is blown off. That is a powerful event in creation. When you look at the sun, you see power. It heats us even though it's so far away. What else do you guys see as power in the universe? Niagara Falls. Falls. A little bit of water coming down. What else? Lightning. Lightning. Has anyone come close to getting struck by lightning? I was helping a guy moving, had the bed frame going out the door. Lightning struck right by the truck. I dropped the bed frame, say, hey, I'm done moving. I'm done moving. When you hear the crack of lightning, like the, the sizzle, you're done. That's a different type of power. What else? Electricity. Electricity. There's two things I don't do in construction projects. Electricity and plumbing. <laughs> one will kill you, the other one just stinks. All right? Not doing that. All sorts of power out there in the universe. And nothing compares to the power God is talking about here. You know when the Bible power is not mentioned too long or attributed to other things other than the gospel and then God himself? (coughs) Isn't that a crazy? So when God wants to show you how powerful he is, he says, hey, I want you to see the gospel because in it you'll see the power of God for salvation. And that's really good news because that gives me confidence. Because when I look at my life and then I'm standing before a holy and awesome God, I don't meet the mark. I need somebody to move in power to save me. And then when I look at other people, so, so I look, um, no matter what your history is, when you look in the Bible, there's some bad dudes that make it to heaven. God is powerful enough to save the worst sinner. So I think that gives you hope. That gives some people that I'm praying for Hope, that gives me confidence that as they hear the gospel, God's powerful enough to save anybody. Nobody is too far gone. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. So you see, the gospel is powerful, but then you also see what it's for. It's for salvation. So I have this picture. Uh, go ahead and put the picture up of the, our uh, canoe trip. Now this is going back. Every year, I like to take our guys on a canoe trip. So I like to take, I, I coach the offensive line for, for Holmes High School. Um, the funny thing is, when you talk about offensive line, usually they're not the most athletic, and yet they're the biggest dudes on the field, right? You put a big guy in a small boat on water, fun things are going to happen, all right? So we're going down the road. This is our crew this year, a couple years ago. This is my man, Josh Farmer. His nickname is 300. He was so proud that he weighed 299 pounds that he gave himself the nickname 300, all right? And so 300, uh, we're going on this canoe trip. We get to Little Miami, canoe rental. We get out, we sign the waiver, we get our life jackets, we get our paddles, our oars, and and we get our canoes. We get on the bus, and he's going to take us down the river so we can float on down the two-mile stretch that we were going to canoe. And on there, the guy goes, hey, I just want you guys to know, this past week we had a lot of thunderstorms. And we go in July, right? In July, it's dry. The, the stream, it, the Little Miami River becomes a, a little stream, and, and the problem is the weight of the canoe holds it down. You're bumping rocks as you're going down the river. But this week, it has stormed. 
and said, hey, I just want you guys to be careful. The water is up. It's moving a little bit faster. There's a couple of spots that are tricky. There's a couple of trees that are down that'll tip your canoe. You don't want to get stuck under your canoe. And he was just going down worst case scenario after worst case scenario. Now, this has been, this is about my third trip going down like, ah, oh, we'll be all right, student. You get your life jacket. I look back at my man 300 and he is sweating. And I go, Josh, what's wrong, man? He goes, man, I can't swim. And I go, Josh, you should have told me this before you signed up for the trip. I go, you'll be all right. Here's your life jacket. Here's his life jacket. It doesn't fit. It's too snug. I'm like, Josh, you got to keep this on at all times. And so it's, it's tucked in. He's bursting out of the, the jacket. And then I put him with a guy that could swim, my brother, Andrew, which wasn't looking back the right decision. I thought he'd, he would bring him some peace and comfort. Well, as soon as they get in the canoe, Andrew starts shaking the canoe just to scare him. So it was, it was a nightmare. Now, you get to this picture. Look at the confidence Josh has right here. My man ain't scared. Right? He survived. Why? Because he knew his life jacket would save him from drowning. Now, he was hanging tight to that life jacket, right? but he knew the life jacket would save him from the water. Now, I want us to be understand what does the gospel save us from? And I love it. Romans answers that question. If you read the whole book of Romans, 16 chapters, you find out that it saves us from the wrath of God on sin. And that's a terrifying reality. If you're standing before God, not as Savior, but as judge, that's a terrifying reality. And so I just want to read just a couple of verses from Romans. Romans 1.18, just after this verse. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now that's bad news for me. Because when you look at my life, there's things that are ungodly and there are things that are not righteous. I don't meet the mark. The wrath of God is on me. And then I keep reading Romans 2, 6 through 8. It says, He will render to each one according to his works. That's not good news. I don't want God to render me according to my works when perfection is the standard. And so we keep reading. To one, he will give eternal life. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they will be, there will be wrath and fury. And then you keep going, Romans 2, 5, But because of your hard and impenitent hearts, you are storing up for yourself wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever faced the wrath of somebody. I love my dad. My dad's a large dude. I was in high school. I was about a junior or senior year. And, and here's, the, here's the thing. When I was a junior or senior in high school, I had been lifting weights for a while. I wasn't small. I've never been small. Right? I'm not small, but we're all together with the family, and, and there's one guy I don't want to make mad, and that's my dad. I, I don't want to face his wrath. I don't want to miss curfew and face the consequences. I don't want to uh, skip on work because I worked with my dad. I didn't want to mess up. I didn't want to face his wrath. And so we're all together at Grandma's, and uh, Grandma had a, a smaller house, and we had a big family, and so it's tight quarters, and we're all saying goodbye. So you're getting up and hugging everybody, making sure everybody knows that you're going to miss them until you see them next Thanksgiving. And, so I got cousins and aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa, and dad's right in front of me, talking to my brother to my left, and my cousin over here decides it was a bright idea to pinch my dad on the back of his upper arm. And he pinches the snot out of my dad. I have no idea what's going on. He looks off, dad turns around, and I can tell he's not happy, but he's looking at me. I'm over here talking to Andrew, and then all of a sudden I turn around and here's dad and he's looking at me like, uh-oh, 
This is not going to be good. And I'm thinking this. I don't know what's wrong with him, but that's a face of wrath. And he's looking at me. This is not going to be good. And he just goes, boom, gives me one little shove. Now, there's a couch at my grandma's, and it caught the back of my leg. And I go airborne after that. The worst part, the couch was in front of a little like a coffee table about this tall. And on top of the coffee table was the half-sized Christmas tree that Grandma loved. Neither of them had a chance. As I start to fall down, I'm thinking, one, what just happened? Two, how hard am I going to land on this table? I hit that table. Table stood up. The tree came down. Ornaments go everywhere. Everything is smashed. We start to pick them up. And then I hear out of the, you know, just out of the background, the whispers, Grandma said, well, you shouldn't have pinched them. I still have no idea what is going on. The wrath of a father is scary. But you know what? My dad has limited power. And he doesn't see everything. He doesn't know what all is going on. He doesn't see my secret thoughts and what I do uh, when he's not there. And honestly, if he was so mad, I could escape it. I could run away. I could get out. But can you imagine the wrath of God who created everything, who sees everything, who is all-powerful, and all-knowing. That's a very scary reality. And so when you hear the gospel, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Understand this, it's salvation (coughs) from facing judgment for your sin, the wrath of the Father. So when you see the cross, you see the glory of Jesus paying for your sin, consuming the wrath of the Father for our sin. That's how salvation works. You can see this in Romans 5, 8, and 9. If you're taking notes, you do want to know that verse. Romans 5, 8, and 9. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get your life together. He didn't wait for you to get cleaned up. He said, no, while you're a mess up, I'm coming and I'm dying for you. And then it goes, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, Before God, I'm justified because Jesus sacrificed his life for me. How much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God? God demands righteousness, and we don't have it. So the only hope for us is that God himself would give us the righteousness that he demands, and that is the good news, that is the gospel. And then you see there's a condition on that. It's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Have you ever believed in the gospel? Do you believe that the righteousness of Christ is yours and your sin has been paid for because of Jesus? That's a decision you have to make. Romans 10.13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen the power of God to save you? It's a personal question has eternal significance. And so one day I see, and this is, this is coming up, in the future, this is what I'd love to see on the back wall. I'd love some, somehow to get up on the top, stories of redemption. And then I'd love to see your story on the wall. So for, for me, I was young. Um, I heard the gospel. I knew I was a mess up. And God redeemed me saved me from the wrath that was coming because of Jesus. He opened up my eyes. I believed that Jesus could save me, and I turned to him. Then, later on, uh, 
senior year, I could see God redeemed me out of thinking a sport was more glorious than the gospel. He redeemed me from thinking relationships were more glorious than the gospel. He saved me from thinking my identity was rooted in my work instead of the gospel. And the story continues. You see, everything can fade. If I have Jesus, I am good. That is the gospel. And so that is what I hope you guys see as the gospel. The gospel is not just facts, right? That, that God created the universe, that we've sinned and we're separated from God, that Jesus comes, dies on the cross, raised from the dead. Do you believe it? Those are the facts. Does the gospel affect your heart? Does it affect your day-to-day -day life? Does it move you? So, that's a personal question, personal decision. Can someone summarize the gospel for me? Can somebody try to summarize the gospel for me? Good news of Jesus. Good news of Jesus. What's the good news? From sin. Saved from sin and? And? Who's wrath? God's wrath. Scary thing. Now, have you made it personal? Now, a lot of times churches do an invitation. I don't do that, but this is what I want to do right now. And listen, I know uh, this might put you on the spot, but if you've ever put your faith in Christ to save you from your sin, would you share your story this morning with somebody? Does anybody still need to make that decision today? You don't have to, to talk. Would anybody raise their hand and say, hey, I need, I need to call on God to save me today. I've never done that. Does anybody want to do that today? You don't have to speak in front of anybody. Does anybody want to make that decision, though? Just lift up your hand. Anybody think, hey, I, I know I'm not saved, but I want God to save me? Is that anybody's story? Yeah, there's a few. Good deal. Here's the awesome part. This is the promise. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. That's the awesome beauty of the gospel. And so what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to pray. Now, listen, don't get your hopes up. This isn't the end of the sermon. I'm going to pray. <laughs> and, and as I pray, what I want you to do, for, for those who want to call on the name of the Lord and be saved, I want you to call on God to save you from your sin and trust Jesus will save you from your sin because of what he did on the cross. Follow him. That's it. It's so simple. And yet, here's the awesome part of the gospel. It's powerful to save anyone who believes. All right, so as I pray, you do work. God will hear both of us do work. All right, let's pray. Father, all over the room, we have people in different spots. Lord, some are calling on you to save them for the first time. I pray you hear. I pray you give them boldness. Thank you for giving them courage to, to stand up and be numbered today. Father, for others in the room, we know what the gospel is. I pray that we never lose sight, that we never get on down the road too far, but that we constantly remember the gospel and apply it to our lives. And so, Father, I thank you for moving and saving people today. You're an awesome God who has the power to save. Thank you for opening up eyes and hearts. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
So the gospel is for salvation. And then number two, the gospel is for spreading. Now, for the sake of time and the fact that I have my brother and Sean upstairs doing games with the kids, we're going to fly through this. The gospel is for spreading. We're going to talk a little bit about this next week when we talk about Covington and we talk about our neighborhoods that we live in. So it's not only Covington, but it's the greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. And as a matter of fact, you see this uh, in Colossians 1, 5, 6, where it says it's growing and bearing fruit and going throughout the world, and then you see it in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which would be like our Covington, and then it's uh, Judea and Samaria, which would be like our northern Kentucky tri-state area, and then to the end of the earth. That's the goal. And then in the rest of Acts, guess what happens? They keep on speaking about Jesus, and as they speak about Jesus, guess what happens? People believe. That's how the gospel spreads. It's an amazing truth. If we want the gospel to get out of this building, we got to speak it. And so I just looked back at this week, what I talked about a lot. So I understand that we have 57 school lunches left in school, right? I'm talking about that. We have 19 days left of school. That is an awesome truth. A lot of people are talking about Avengers. Probably would be one of the greatest selling uh, movies of all time. People are talking about it. Some people are talking about Damian Lillard in the playoffs and the shot that he hit almost from half court. A lot of people are talking about that. Here's my question. If we don't speak about the gospel, the news will not spread. Here's the awesome truth, though. As we speak about the gospel, people will see the glory of Christ and be saved. Why? Because the power is in the gospel, not the messenger. We have to share the message. And so uh, one of our applications that I want us to do is this thing called, Who's Your One? <laughs> Who's Your One? And it's an easy way to remember um, a simple strategy. I want you to pray and ask God to lay one person on your heart for the month of May. And the reason why I chose May is it's our last time in school. Right? There's going to be a lot of people that you guys see the next few days that you won't see too often, if at all, again. After my senior year at high school, I don't see too many of those guys anymore. I don't rub shoulders with them anymore. And so I want you guys to share the gospel with them. Now, you're like, well, I'm not very confident in that. I don't know if I can do that. We can help you do that. God will definitely show up in power and help you do that. You can also invite them to church. You could just pray for them. You can invite them to have a conversation with your small groups. You can invite them on Thursday for recharge. You can invite them on Wednesday morning for FCA. Listen, FCA is an easy invite. You can say, hey, just come and get a donut, and they're going to hear about Jesus. Right? That's an easy way to invite people there. You can invite people maybe into your house. Right? You're like, oh, let's just have a meal together, and then you get to share the gospel with them there. Whatever it is, have one person to identify to share the gospel with. Now, here's the awesome part. If all of us do that, some of us will see people saved. Their eternities changed. You can't speak about anything better than that. So the gospel is for salvation. The gospel is for spreading. And then finally, the gospel is for sanctification, uh, looking more and more like Jesus. And, and this hits, Tan, on what you were saying uh, about love. And you see it in the gospel. You look at the length Jesus goes for us. That should do something in our hearts. And so do you see the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross, rising from the dead? Do you see that as transforming your life today? And so this guy, J.D. Greer, he, he came up with a prayer, and I think it's helpful. It's just a tool. It's, it's not any magical words. It, it's helpful, and I can get a copy. I'll bring in copies next week, so, so don't worry about copying this whole thing down. Um, but this is just something that will help us apply the word to us in our daily lives. And, and really, this comes from Colossians 1.6, where it says, It's growing and bearing fruit, 
and he keeps on reminding the churches of the gospel. Like he keeps on going back. Paul never got over the crucifixion of Christ. I don't think we should either. And so what you see, number one, in Christ there is nothing I can do that would make God love me more and nothing I have done that makes God love me less. Now listen, that is very, very important for me to remind myself of. I have to preach the gospel to me daily because all of the world says, no, it's works righteousness. And this is what I mean. You'll make a team if you do enough good stuff. As security, we have evaluations, right? We are evaluated on what we do. There are some things that can make the work go well that gives us a better evaluation. There are some things that if we don't do, we'll get fired for. Right? That's how everything usually around this world works, except the gospel. You see, sometimes we'll come in here, or we won't even come at all if we've had a bad week. Uh, man, I, I ignored my kids all week. Um, I didn't talk to my wife. I talked bad about all the people I worked with. I can't go to church. Or we'll come in really confident. I might even lift my hands up in the air when we sing worship songs because I prayed. Um, I showed up to uh, Keep Covington Beautiful. Um, I, I showed up every Sunday. Um, I even prayed with my, my children this week, and, and we come in with this sense of pride, and, and yet both are deadly. One leads to despair. I'm never, ever good enough for God. Poor me. And the other one's pride. I am good. God's lucky I'm here to worship. Both aren't the gospel, so we've got to remind ourselves there's nothing I can do that God will make me love me more, nothing I will do that takes away from His grace. He won't love me less. Listen, that gives you freedom to worship. Man, you can get stuck trying to please God if you're trying to do it in your own strength. However, the gospel frees you up to love and worship Him. So, a couple of things. Right now, if you're in Christ, when God looks at you, regardless of your situation, He sees the righteousness of Christ. Jesus' obedience is perfect. You can't add to it. And the awesome part is his death is final. When he says it is finished, you can't take anything away from that. So that when I stand before God, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Can you imagine thinking, I'm trying out, this is back, Michael Jordan's prime, we'll say 1996. Me and Michael Jordan trying out for the Chicago Bulls. I'm like, you know what, Michael, just sit this one out. I got this. You know, my fadeaway jumper is nasty. You ain't got nothing on me. Can you imagine the arrogance, the absurdity of that? That's what happens when we stand for God. Hey, you know what, God? I didn't talk bad this week. You know, I, I even gave a little bit of offering. I sat through and listened the whole sermon. I sang that one song even louder. I didn't even know what it meant. Can you imagine the audacity when we stand before God? No, it's Christ's righteousness for us. And there's nothing you can add and there's nothing you can take away. So now you're free to worship Him. Shouldn't change week to week. That gives you some stability. And then next, what happens is your presence and approval are our need for everlasting joy. Now, if you can say that on a daily basis, that'll change your life. That'll change what you pursue. Think about all the stuff we pursue for joy. If I just had this, if I just had that, I'd be happy. The gospel tells us, no, your happiness and joy is found in Christ. And i got to remind myself of that daily. So we're looking at identity and joy, both found in Christ. Um, I remember uh, Ava, we're, we're at North Carolina, we're visiting grandparents, and there's a spider, and she's scared to death of bugs, right? Which is normal. So I'm giving her a hard time. Quit being a wimp. Oh, you're a scaredy cat. Well, Balin, um, coming in, being the Holy Spirit, 
uh, says, Dad, she's not a wimp. She's my older sister. And right there in that moment, this is, this is what I thought, ah, oh, crud. Here I am calling her because of her actions, something that she's not. Here is Balin saying, hey, this is your identity. Live it out. Do you see? That's how Satan and God work. Satan says, no, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. You're not that. What the gospel says is, no, you belong to me because of what Christ has done. Now live it out. Satan pulls you down from your actions. God pulls you up to your identity. Ava, you're a wimp. You can't kill a spider. Balaam, no, she's my older sister. She's brave. She can do it. So the, the funny part with that is after I was convicted because I was an idiot as a dad, I said, ah, you're right, you're right, Balaam. She's not scared. She is strong. She's courageous. And, and then I said, you know what, Ava, you're the spider killer. And then she all of a sudden puffed her chest out, and she's, she goes over there, bam, destroys that spider. I was like, that's pretty impressive. I get, you know, something, wipe it up. But now my fear is, not only does she think she can kill spiders, she can kill anything, right? So if there's a snake, I'm like, ooh, ooh, let's wait. Let's wait on that, right? Hold on with that courage, right? Identity in Christ, in the gospel, now I'm free to pursue him. I'm not worried about what Satan says. Now you're this and you're this. And you're this. No, this is who I am in the gospel. I got to remind myself of it every day. I got to remember that my joy is found in Christ. That frees me up to walk with Christ. That's how you apply the gospel to your life every day. And it's a constant reminder because you're being attacked every single day. You're this, you're this, you're this, you're not worthy. And some of that's true. But it's not based on our worth. It's based on what Christ has done. Therefore, we can pursue. And then three and four, as you have been to me, so I will be to others. Um, the grace and generosity and the pursuit Christ has of us, transformational in how we treat others. I know if the gospel is grabbing someone's heart by how they relate to others. Are they gracious to others? Can they overlook an offense? Are they generous towards others? Do they seek after it? Do they put others first? That's when you see the gospel getting to the heart of people. And then finally, as I pray, I will measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. Pray big. Pray big and go after it. Expect great things from God. That's how you can apply the gospel to your life every day. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to pray, and then our, our praise team is going to come up. We're going to close uh, in a worship song as we go out through the week. But I want you to think deeply about the gospel this week. Understand who you are in Christ. Understand that it's the power of God for salvation. Understand there's at least one person you need to be building a relationship to share the gospel with. And then apply it to your life every day. That is who you are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I pray that you move in a powerful way. Lord, I do ask that you lay somebody on the hearts of the people here. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a co-worker. Father, I pray that uh, as we apply the gospel this week, that we don't listen to what the Satan throws our way, what the enemy throws at us, but that we find our identity in Christ, that we seek after Him for the joy that we desperately long for. I pray that we're gracious to others because we know the grace You have given to us. I pray that we see the compassion You have for others on the cross and that we live that out. And I pray that we depend on Your power that we see in the resurrection and not our own strength. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.